Look at my butt. Show number 240 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Once again, we have to open a show by saying, fucking technology. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. We just spent half an hour um, trying to make things work for various and sundry reasons. Basically, Skype wasn't cooperating and FaceTime wasn't cooperating. So we're talking to each other now on, this is Google Hangouts, right? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah, we're hanging out, oh, man. Okay. I, I wasn't even sure what we were using at this point. So, yeah. But basically, I'm caught in like a vortex <laughs> or a time loop or something of updates because it would not let me run Skype because I didn't have the latest version. It just it forced me to download mm. that. Well, once I downloaded that, it said, you can't run this. Your computer OS is too old. It was like, oh, fuck. So, you know, yeah, we had to resort to primitive technology, email. email and Google Hangouts. Nobody uses Google Hangouts. <laughs> well, it should be nice and quiet here. We won't be disturbed. <laughs> yes, you are correct. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's so funny. All right. before But we do have a lot of interesting topics. Yeah, I put together a list. But let me just say first that um, I am delighted because they announced the new doctor on Doctor Who today. Yes, yes, I saw that. I know, I Um, know. So it's, I'm sure everyone will know, it's Jodie Whittaker, and I've seen her recently in Broadchurch, and she was wonderful in that she can be funny, and she can be deep, and she can be angry, she can do all kinds of things, and I am just so happy, and um, watching all the meltdowns on Twitter this morning was (laughs) infinitely (laughs) amusing, infinitely amusing. Uh, um, so you're not too deeply disappointed that it isn't Joanna Lumley. Well, you know, that was my... She would have been the ideal. It would have been great, <laughs> but I'm I'm all for Jodie Whittaker. And um, to all Good. the people on Twitter and Facebook who are saying, that's it, I'm never watching this show again, I say, Good. Bye. <laughs> Don't let the TARDIS hit you on the exactly. way out. Exactly. There are lots more people who are going to watch because of this. So I am, I'm very, very excited now. You know, I, I just think it was time that they did this. Um, and oh, she's a good choice. And yes. So that made me yeah. so happy. I was sitting there actually like looking yeah. at Twitter and smiling really, really broadly. <laughs> like, oh, this is going to be good. Well, I have to say about Doctor Who, you know, I was like an on-off person. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was... I only saw maybe the last two or three seasons of David Tennant, who I really Mm -hmm. liked, but I couldn't stand some of his companions. Mm -hmm. And so that made it hard. Then the next guy, whose name I can't even remember. (laughs) Matt Smith. (laughs) Matt Smith. I did not care for a number of very shallow reasons, Mm -hmm. but I liked his companions. Mm -hmm. So I was like on off. Well, then Capaldi came on and I watched a little bit of the first season. I was like, I don't know about him. He's so cranky. (laughs) Well, he grew on me and I I know he's not as cranky as he was at the beginning, but um, this past season, I have loved Mm -hmm. it. I mean, there were a couple of lame-o episodes, but I have loved it. I have loved the character of Bill. She's wonderful. She is so good. I loved the last episode. And so I can't wait for the Christmas one. And I'm just really excited that Doctor Who is going to, you know, move into this. Let's have a a woman in the the lead role. She's the doctor. So, um, but I am going to miss Capaldi. Oh, I will. uh, He's just been wonderful. He's such a presence, you know. Oh, yeah. He's so good. Yeah. Mm. So, and and it was good to see, because I never watched the the really old ones that you probably saw as a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, where they had these older doctors and everything. For me, it was new to have a Mm -hmm. doctor of that Mm -hmm. age. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. He he just brought a whole different dimension to it, as I think Jodie Whittaker Mm -hmm. will in in this Mm -hmm. role. And I I feel pretty confident that they're going to do a good job with writing the role for her and and whatever mm-hmm. she's going to bring to it her own personality and i saw a little q and a with her today um that the bbc released and uh, you know it, she's like yep i this was decided a long time ago and it's been hard to keep the secret and uh mm-hmm. i'm really 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 excited about it and all the tweets that i've seen today from people who are uh, associated with the show some of the former doctors and the companions everybody seems very mm-hmm. very excited 
Um, I, but you know, it's funny in broad church, um, the, the lead was David Tennant and one of the other people was Arthur Darville who played Rory. Um, so she was with two people who had been on who, and I can imagine if Uh she did get to talk to them, they said, your life is about to change in ways you can't even imagine. I am sure. Just like when the new Trek guys were going and Leonard was saying to Zachary Quinto, you have no idea what's going to happen to you. (laughs) And Quinto thought he was talking about typecasting. Yeah, exactly. So the same (laughs) same for her. I think I saw somebody on Twitter say to her, well, now every weekend for the rest of her life will be booked at conventions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hooray. Yeah. So anyway, I well, just wanted to talk good about Good for her, and we wish her luck, and we are so looking forward oh, yes. to this. It's going to be good. Speaking of conventions, um, I mm-hmm. have, so I got some newsy stuff here. Um, yes. Number one, which you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, was that there's uh, the big Star Trek um, creation convention in Chicago, which is happening in September, which we've mm-hmm. been to before, and Bill's not going to be there. So we're not going. <laughs> so we're definitely not going. Um, so, and that's that's fine because it's not in Chicago. It's in fucking Rosemont <laughs> where there's no good food. And um, yeah, if I if I go to Rosemont at all this year, it'll be to check out the discount shopping mall. Definitely. And I don't think I'll be doing that. Yeah. So um, the two I'm looking at the page here on uh, the creation site and it's called the continuing voyage and. Under celebrity guests, the two biggest names that they have are Carl Urban and Nichelle Nichols. And mm-hmm. then they've got um, most of the TNG folks look like they're going to be there. But, you know, we saw them already, so we don't need yeah, to and them. Yeah, and they were wonderful. Yeah. So, you know, that's good. Now, you know, we don't know. They may still book Bill, mm-hmm. in which case we'll figure out a plan. Um, if we do figure out a plan, I'm kind of thinking we should do what we did at... San Jose Comic Con, mm-hmm. which is stay here, mm. rent a zip car, drive there for the day, yeah. do all our shit, and come back rather than stay at one of those creepy hotels. I completely agree with you because that worked great and it's not that far. It did. And I would much rather stay at your place. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So uh, we'll keep you guys up to date on that in case Bill does decide to show up. Um, mm-hmm. But he is booked for Dragon Con. Um, which is very interesting. And Dragon Con is at mm-hmm. the beginning of September. Creation Con is more like in the middle of September. Um, and that's in Atlanta. Yep, Atlanta. And it's going to be hot and humid as hell, as it always is. <sighs> um, and his tweet about this was very funny. He says, I'm going to Dragon Con on September 3rd and 4th. I hear there is cosplay. I'm ready. I'm going to be huge in Atlanta. <laughs> and there's a, What is he wearing? <laughs> it's a, so it's a, um, a picture of Atlanta. And it's a um, a little like dragon costume with his face photoshopped into it, and it says Dragon Con 2017, and he's like you know like a monster over the city of Atlanta. Oh, that's great! And it says, "Come see me." <laughs> Shatnerzilla, Shatzilla, Shatzilla, yeah, um, shilling for that. I won't be going to that just because the idea of the size of that, as well as like the San Diego mm. Comic Con. Couldn't deal with oh, that at too all. big, too many people, too hot, everything. Yeah. But I yeah. will say that the photo that they've used for this particular thing is a beautiful picture of Bill. I think we might have seen it before. It says it was t- taken in 2016, but um, he's sitting down and he's wearing um, <laughs> he's wearing a, a, a checkered button-down shirt. And then over it, he's got a suit jacket on that's got sort of pinstripe. So it's a weird um, thing. And he's got a beautiful handkerchief in his pocket. And he just looks... He does. He really does. He does. I looked at that picture and I thought he looked really good. He's kind of tan and his toupee Mm -hmm. looks really nice. It's almost got a Kirk thing happening in the front and he's just, he just looks great. And it's kind of nice that they're using a photo of him as he is now rather than one of the Kirk photos. That's, you know, I I don't think any of the cons have done that before. I agree. And and I was just delighted to see that. He looks really, really Mm -hmm. good. So, yay. Is this... Is this his first time at Dragon Con? That's a good question. I think he was there once before, but I don't think it was last year. It might have been the year before, and I can't even remember why he was there. It was there was a reason. It was promoting something, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but I, I think he's been there before, um, and he just does the. He was on a panel, and he did his usual, you know, walking around and answering questions. For mm-hmm. people. Okay, so that's cool. 
Um, another thing, you know, Bill's promoting his horse book. And um, yes. I have put that on hold at my library. So I, I think I'm, I'm going to read it because it's pr- very, very smart. It'll be a lot better than that stupid zero G book. Um, but he's been doing some some shilling for it. He's done some interviews. Uh-huh. And um, there was a, a good little clip that made the rounds. And um, he talks about religion a little bit. And, and he says, I am probably an animist, which I had to look up because I didn't know what that meant. Is that a real word? It is a real word, and it, what does it mean? It's it's a belief that um, things have souls, basically. So it's oh, and, and you know who else believes that? Who? Scientology. <laughs> no, because I I worked many years ago with a guy who was you know into Scientology, mm-hmm. and one day I just foolishly made the comment. Um, This was way back in the days of typewriters. And I said, there's something about me and that particular typewriter that I was working on that day. I said, we just don't get along. He said, well, you know, that 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 happens. There are vibrations between people and machines and and some of them just don't work. I was like, hmm, I'll just back away slowly. I don't think Bill means it quite like that. Uh, I don't think so either. I think he means that animals have a soul or a spirit. And yes, I'm pretty sure that that's what he means. And, you know, and my little spirit animal is resting his head on the edge of the sofa. I think people who have pets, you know, pretty close to believing that sort of thing. And it's not. Yes. So he, he specifically said, I'm not religious. But, but mm-hmm. I am spiritual, and this is what I believe. And it was interesting to hear him talk about that. Uh, he also, there was another little clip where he talked about how uh, working with horses is a, he didn't use the word, but it was clearly, he said, a collaborative experience and how people mm-hmm. used to talk about breaking horses, but that's not what you do. You know, you work with the horse, and the horse has needs and wants, and you have to try to accommodate that, and it's very much a partnership. And you you can see this connection that he has with the horses, you know, that's, that's part of what he well, believes. Well, that's the clip I saw. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything about animus. It was a different but, clip. Um, they, they broke this okay. long interview up into like these two-minute soundbitey things. Okay. But I saw that one, and, and um, I found that very interesting because I don't think it's just horses. I think there has been this evolution in the, quote-unquote, training of animals mm-hmm. and how we uh, connect to them because I've always heard that, like, the way they trained Lassie would today be considered animal cruelty. Yes. yeah. And now, you know, if you go to just about any dog training class or anything, um, they train you right. to train the dog. Right. And, you know, there there is none of this punishment. It's all based on what does the dog want? He wants a treat. Yeah. Okay, make him work for it. And, you know, the thing I found with Jack and Buster before him is if you every day will spend some time with them working on these commands, they think it's play. Mm-hmm. They think it's attention. And boy, they, they want to please you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure if you can get that sort of communication going with the horse, they become cooperative. Mm-hmm. You know, I always find it interesting when Bill talks about the relationship with horses. He said a very interesting thing at the end of this second clip about being an animist. He said that he finds the music of the stable um, being in there with the horses something really deep and rewarding for him. And he views the stable as a retreat where he can go and Mm. relax. And I thought that... That's so true, right? Like the stable is one of the few places where he can go besides like the interior of his home where Mm -hmm. he doesn't have to be William Shatner, right? He's just the guy that works with the horses. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's very true. And, um, yeah, I think that's why, you know, so many celebrities, you know, buy houses that are like hard to get to Mm -hmm. and, you know, where they can just like, no, I'm not going to have any of that. Yep. You know, I'm just going to have this, but that's, that's wonderful yeah. about the, the stable being a retreat. And, and that's the horses don't care that he was Captain Kirk. Horses do not no. give a shit about any of that stuff. No, they are, you know, animals in general are not impressed at all by our achievements. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to so. say one thing. You reminded me of this talking about dog training and stuff that um, a lot of the modern techniques for, as you say, training people to, to get them to work with their dogs um, are because all of that stuff about like alpha males and all that's all crap. 
That's not true. <laughs> it was based on very, very flawed research by people who uh-huh. had an agenda going into it. And wolves don't have alpha males. <laughs> and dogs in general are not that whole, like, somebody has to be the head of the pack. They're very cooperative and they like living together because they're very cooperative in their their social life. And so people, you know, they want people to be part of their social life, not to dominate mm-hmm. them. They don't want that. Well, I'm going to argue with you a little on that based on my experience with these two dogs I've had, because Buster most definitely wanted to be in charge (laughs) of everything. I mean, he really had a very strong personality. Mm -hmm. And when we took him to class, he wanted to be in charge of who got treats (laughs) and who was going to be the demo dog for this next thing. And the instructor and everybody picked up on Mm -hmm. this right away, you know, uh, Jack, oh my God, if he was left in charge, the poor little thing would panic (laughs) because he looks to me for every single thing and and direction. So I don't know if it's alpha dog or not, but I do think that dogs do have personalities just like people. Of course, I totally agree. And and that's, it's, it's a personality thing. It's not like dogs are evolutionarily driven to Oh, you know, yeah, have yeah. an alpha male that must dominate and impregnate all the females and all the rest of it. It's like, no, some dogs mm-hmm. just want to be in charge and some don't. And yeah. that's fine. Yep. Okay. Now that we've settled that, <laughs> okay. no one ever has to argue about that ever again. All right. Um, there was another news article and this was really weird. Uh, this isn't well, not weird, but uh, just unusual. Um, there's an article in the South China Morning Post that appeared I saw this. recently, and he did an interview with a reporter to talk about World of Suzy Wong. It wasn't in South China, and I don't quite know why this article appeared at this time. Maybe the writer <laughs> just wanted to write about it or something. Um, it says yeah. the, the novel... It is July 2017, though. That's the day. Yeah, uh, it says the world... It, Suzy Wong, as a book, it was published 60 years ago, so maybe they were doing some kind of retrospective. And it is, you know, about an Asian woman, so... Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why. But it's a really nice interview, you know, him reminiscing about how it went. We've heard this stuff before and read it before. Yes. How he had to change his acting style. But out of all places, you know, like, okay, here's an interview with Bill in the South China Morning Post talking mm-hmm. about something he did uh, 50 years ago. Um, uh, yep. And um, one of the, the, you know, we've heard him say this, but he's talking about the places we were panned universally. Mm-hmm. It was a very turgid drama. <laughs> People were screaming, kill this play. <laughs> but the producers were not going to give the money back. Mm-hmm. I always wondered, why do they keep running it when everybody hated it? Well, here's the reason. The largest advanced ticket sales of a straight play up until that time. Mm-hmm. So they ran the play. Of course. <laughs> and due to, the, you know, the actors, and primarily Bill, I think, hating this response from the audience, turned it into a comedy. It was the only thing he could do mm-hmm. <laughs> to save his life. Um, and I love that he says, people kept getting up and leaving. So in one performance, I said, sit down. <laughs> and then I said, Susie. <laughs> and the guy sat <laughs> And the down. guy getting up sat down. <laughs> I thought he was very diplomatic about his co-star, about uh, Franz Noyan. Uh, yes, when indeed. He says, uh, she had a beautiful face, and when acting in films for immediately, she was wonderful. But having the discipline of the theater actor is different. She'd never been on stage, and she wasn't an actress. Having mm-hmm. to perform every night, eight times a week, is debilitating for the strongest, most disciplined actor. I don't think you could characterize her as that. So, yeah. Yeah, just yeah that is very diplomatic. Yeah. Um, he doesn't mention at all that she would not act if Josh Logan, the director, mm. was in the house. And I believe at one point, Logan just stopped coming to rehearsals. Mm-hmm. And so they were they were on their own. And Josh Logan was, at that time, one of the most highly respected and sought-after directors. If it was the only way you they know. could get her to go on was for him not to be there, I guess that's what they have to do. Right, but he wasn't even showing up to rehearsal anymore. It was so frustrating. Um, you know, he directed um, Mr. Roberts. Mm-hmm. And when when you are the, the director of a new play, you work very closely with the author and with the actors and have a lot of input into the shaping of the play. Mm-hmm. You know, a play is that goes through this development process is never performed the way it was written on day one when they did their first read-through. So it's not like he was just telling people, move left, move right, you know. 
So, um, I don't know. I think that was not a, not a good experience for just about anybody. Yes, uh, listeners, we ran into some technical difficulties, so we're just going to wrap that topic up by saying that was unusual for the director not to show up for rehearsals. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what else to do. No, that's fine. (laughs) We'll just keep going. Uh, Okay. okay. I wanted to um, talk about some lovely comments that we had from some visitors, which is going to lead into our next topic. Okay. um, On the blog, we got a comment from Sherry who said, a never mentioned TV movie Bill did in 1971 and an excellent piece of work is Vanished, a title that has been used for various movies, so confusion results. It stars Richard Widmark, Arthur Hill, William Shatner, and a whole bunch of other people in a story about a presidential aide who disappears, with Bill as the reporter who exposes the cover-up. It was a two-parter aired on successive nights, so it was actually called a mini-series at the time, the first time that term was used. If you can ever find a copy, get it. So I looked it up, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to find. You can buy a DVD of it for fifteen bucks, which I'm not going to do. But You're I am not. no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I am going to try to find it in some other way. And it's a two parter, so it's going to be kind of long. But I looked at some yes. some clips, and it was so it was seventy one. It was just after Star Trek. Uh, it was when he, I think, was still trying to find. The, he he wasn't doing the the broken man characters yet, you know. Uh-huh, so it was uh-huh. while he was he was being a reporter who was uncovering this this political cover up, and it, the the thing itself got good reviews in a number of places. I saw that um, the folks at Shatner's Soupe had covered it, so they managed to get a copy at some point. Okay. Um, it looks like it's been on TCM a number of times. Uh, so who knows, maybe we'll get lucky and it'll be on there again and we'll be able to, oh, to record okay. it and watch it. So it's out there. It's just, it's not on Amazon video and it's not on any of the other places that I could see to rent it. So if anybody out I'm, there has seen it recently or knows where we could get it, please let us know. I'm wondering, is this the one, I know there's one from that time and it's something about the the president being kidnapped or something well it says a presidential aide who disappeared aide is kidnapped okay because i've seen people talk about it but um yeah we would love to see that yeah definitely i think that would that would be really good so uh yeah i I, it was funny when i was putting together the show where we talked about disaster on a coastliner i'm i'm so glad we watched (laughs) that i really am oh yeah (laughs) that was that was a hoot um, okay, and from one of our other listeners, uh, Mike says, Time Trap, which you reviewed on the show a couple of yes. episodes ago. Yes, I own the paperback from way back when and read it as part of my ongoing Trek pocketbook, pocketbook readathon. My Goodreads review spent less time on the drug issue and her eyebrows, but McCoy's reaction, <laughs> as mentioned, was pretty much spot on. Um, and then you sent me a link to all the reviews of Goodreads on Goodreads of, of Time Trap on Goodreads. Yes, and I want to talk about this. Yes, please do. Um, there are, I don't know, 300 or so ratings, <laughs> but only uh, 12 or some reviews. Most people just give it, you know, a star mm-hmm. or five stars or whatever and then go away. But um, yes, yeah, so it, Mike's uh, review was there. And a couple people mentioned this, which I thought was very interesting. My issue, this is not from Mike, this is somebody else. My issue with the book is that there is no action until the last 50 pages. Mm. The first half all being set up. And you know what? This is true. And this person says the setup does serve a purpose, though. It's meant to trick the reader and prepare them for the big surprise at the end. But another person said, you are not surprised. You will figure this out, you know, really... um, quickly um oh, a woman here says okay it's a star trek novel given what we're basing this on my expectations weren't real high <laughs> i expected campy i expect that kirk would fall in love again and i expected some science that would sound shaky at best <laughs> and yep i got all that um but you know she gives it three stars she thought it was okay she said uh, you know recommend it for people who love the original star trek series uh let's see um yeah what mike talked about and a couple other people talked about is um 
I really enjoyed Spock more than anyone else in this novel. The pressure on his mental well-being caused by the decision to abandon Kirk and the need to argue his decisions with Starfleet, as well as the negative view of the crew for his choice to leave the area, and I do remember that, Mm. um, all come together to give us a view of Spock we rarely see. Mm. So that was interesting. Let's see. Who else? Most people give it like, you know, three reviews or so. Um, Let me see. What I'm finding amusing, I'm scrolling through the one, these reviews that are appearing here, are people who leave reviews like this. I read this and a few other Star Trek books before TNG. I do not remember much about the book, but I liked it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Well, Well, thanks. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Here's one, a very short one from someone named JD. Just know. I know it's drugs. I know Kirk is hurt and all, but him being, oh, I won't see Spock and McCoy and Enterprise anymore, but that's okay. I have a new life now with the Klingons is just sickly wrong. He is not this stupid. Better skip this one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm surprised that the word disaster didn't creep into that I know, right I know, there. but, you know, he is so right. And a number of people mentioned that Kirk is so out of character mm-hmm. in this. And, okay, yeah, it's drugs. Um, <laughs> uh, here's someone who says, I almost got mad. <laughs> almost. But, but, hey, I wasn't being patient. I had a few chuckles at familiar interactions between our beloved stars. This wasn't too bad after all. Um, Here's another good one for me. Uh, Just another of a batch of Star Trek books I picked up from a charity shop. It was an okay premise and a quick read. (laughs) Here's another good one. Read this when I was a teen Mm -hmm. and still enjoy it today. Okay. Good. Good. You still, so does, that kind of implies that this person is rereading that book. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's one of his faves. Really? Um, this one says, you think it is normal time travel. <laughs> Sorry, that's just really funny. I know, normal time know. travel. Because, you know, I do that on Fridays. But be prepared, it is not. <laughs> Good book for the weekend or train slash bus. <laughs> That's a very specific recommendation, and I appreciate that. Do not try to read this if you are not in a moving vehicle. I also like this one. This is the whole review. Well played, author. Well played. (laughs) Not very specific, just, you know, I liked it, so good. Yeah, so um, let's see. What's its average? Its average is like three, 3.47 stars. That's pretty good. Which stuns me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to start, you know, using Goodreads more. I mean, I'm a member, but I've never done anything there. Yeah. So, um, you know, especially when we're going to talk about books relating to Star Trek, I think it's it'll be worth going there to see what people have to say. I'm... Um delighted that the cover image that they used here is it's a little blurry because it's so small but it is mm-hmm. big enough that you can see uh kirk's freakishly long fingers on his left <laughs> hand and the fact that he looks like wesley crusher and, and why why aren't the freakishly long fingers a factor in the I book i don't know i'm looking at it again. doesn't that sound like a, a horror novel the freakishly <laughs> long fingers of james t kirk that hand is out of control. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm looking at it again, and it's just, it's weird. It's just so weird. Well, they're swollen vertically from all the drugs. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. They were actually <laughs> digit lengthening drugs. Yes, in addition to, to all the other fun stuff going on. So, right. yeah. Okay, uh, let's take a little break, and then uh, okay. we've got some other I'm fun. afraid. Yeah, I, hope, I hope technology doesn't break while we're um, drinking our tea and stuff, so... Okay. We'll be back in a minute, I hope. <laughs> Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Um, we're not recording this. What? I mean, 
Are we back? No, we're not back yet, but we can okay. be. We can be back now. Okay, okay we're, we're back. back <laughs> we got so into this picture of Shatner that we forgot we were only talking to ourselves and had not officially said, welcome, we're back. We're back. Well, you know, when it's a picture like this, when Bill is so eye-fucking the camera, it's like, I, I just, I'm sitting here staring at it, mesmerized like a tipnotoad or something. It's just... Uh, I... <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, he's snuggling up to his his first wife, Gloria, yeah. while he is really giving us the eye. So, is. Uh, so context, this is a review at Shatner Webb uh, of a performance that Bill did in 1956, and it's described here as a seismic life change for Shatner, and the reason is because he met Gloria when they were doing it. Mm-hmm. And this picture is just really, really good. You know, I'm wondering when this was. It must have been during Star Trek, right, because his hair is kind of longer he doesn't have the um the star trek uh uh sideburns right mm. and i have seen it as a, 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 a like a series of publicity shots that they did for like some magazine mm. so it's it's star trek or younger or earlier oh. and i'm thinking earlier given that toupee mm. that does not look a bit like the trek toupee to me yeah i think you're right there's n- there's not enough blonde in it and you're uh, absolutely mm-hmm. he doesn't have the star trek sideburns but oh he looks so good mm-hmm. he, you can even tell he's got like a little bit of maybe sunburn on his cheekbone i know yeah just, you know he's nuzzling up to her but oh he's just looking at the camera with that look oh mm-hmm. boy and you know what I have to comment on? Mm-hmm. This might be a little bit astray. But I frequently see pictures of, like, movie star couples, TV couples, either with their, their actual spouses or with their TV love interest. And this is kind of a flip of what I'm seeing, which is usually the guy, for some reason, is very focused on the woman, and she's playing mm. right to the camera. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a turnoff to me. Yeah. You know, it's it's like she's saying, oh, yeah, you're nice enough, but here I am, <laughs> you know. It's, it's yeah, anyway. It, this, so. this particular picture is so interesting because the focus is all on him. You know, she's pressed mm-hmm. up against him, but her eyes are closed, and she mm-hmm. really looks like she's just reveling in all that attention as who wouldn't be right i mean if you've mm-hmm. got beautiful bill like you know pressing up against you like that i'd have that look on my face too well i'd probably be a puddle mm-hmm. on the floor but well yeah um so this is a very interesting uh review i mean he he didn't actually review the performance because it's mm-hmm. not available <laughs> you can't actually right. watch this but i thought his take on the fact that this was a big change of life for bill was very interesting and, and i wanted to read just a little bit of it um mm-hmm. so he talks about the fact that you know bill was a full-time actor we mentioned this once before you know bill never had any other job than being an actor that was all he mm-hmm. ever did and that's pretty amazing yeah uh he was um you know he was young he was good looking he was doing a lot of stage work but he was also trying to get into television because that's where the money was and he was just working all the time and so Mm -hmm. um here's what he said um the other factor working against shatner um you know working against him in terms of him becoming a big star was that He was Shatner, a guy who never really seems to have made a lot of deep friendships, especially male friendships in his life with anyone, let alone fellow actors. Shatner always refers to the fact that actors are a bit narcissistic and nomadic by necessity, always moving from job to job and competing against each other at times, never together enough to form really tight bonds. Whether that is right or wrong, it's what he believes and how he has gone through his life and career. Mm -hmm. So we know that Shatner really didn't have any close friends in Toronto or at Stratford, and his love life, at least according to him, was rather sparse as well. But this all changed when he took this episode called On Camera, Um, and that's where he met Gloria, and this is what he says uh, in his biography. Um, Oh, sorry, no, this is from a filmed 1999 interview for the Archive of American Television. Shatner describes his flirtation with Gloria Rand as only he can, which is in equal parts absurd and touching. Bill (laughs) says... And then there was this lovely, doe-like woman who came, tremulous on the edge of the pasture of life, and just struck up my fancy, and we struck up a friendship. (laughs) 
So uh, the guy says, a friendship is probably an overstatement and an understatement. An understatement because in less than four months, Shatner and Rand were married. An overstatement because although Shatner has never publicly said anything negative about her, the passages related to Rand in his autobiography make it fairly clear that he thinks they might have rushed into a relationship and eventually marriage a little too quickly. He was married to her for 13 years. Um, they were married in less than four months from this episode that they filmed together. They quickly moved to New York City, had three daughters in the span of about six years. And then he went through a divorce so brutal for Shatner that he launched headfirst into the gnashing teeth of his desperate lost years. Yeah. Uh, so the guy says, I would say that this probably qualifies as the biggest inflection point of his personal life up to this point. But was it the crux point? <laughs> I don't think it was the crux point. I think Star Trek was the crux point. But this was definitely the inflection point. Just got to be clear on um, this. And, you know, it made me think for a minute. They got married four months after they met. And then I thought, mm-hmm. wait a minute, was she pregnant? And I had to check and she wasn't. Uh, so the, mm-hmm. the oldest daughter was not born until close to a, a year, I think, after they got married. So they did, mm-hmm. they did not have to get married uh, unless there's something that they're not going to talk about you know like did she get right. pregnant and who knows but anyway um so very interesting that they got married so quickly after they met and uh, yeah i mean that's pretty quick to get married it is and but not when you're that young yeah you know yeah. you do rush into things also i'm wondering um one of the things I've always heard, and it's probably in here too, they got young, or they got young, they got married and headed off to New York. Mm-hmm. Well, if his plan was, I'm going to New York, I'm going to, to you know, t- take this jump off the cliff and make it try, that's very frightening. Mm-hmm. And less frightening if you have someone with you. Yeah, I think that that's probably true. I, I think I remember reading, and, and maybe, oh, I don't, can't remember if Bill said it, or it was in one of the other biographies of, like, biographical sketches of him, but that you know she was an actress and they moved to new york and they were doing things and she was kind of working but not really working Mm -hmm. you know like after they got married it wasn't as important to her to act anymore and so then Mm -hmm. he was having to support them both which was another reason for you know shifting away from stage and taking a lot of the tv stuff because it just paid better Right, right. So I agree. I think this was a really, really important moment for him meeting her. And who knows what his life would have been like if that hadn't happened. Mm hmm. It's true. It's true. Well, you know, I am sure that um, because Bill is very close to his daughters Mm -hmm. and loves them so much and they apparently adore him and are very close, I'm sure he has no regrets, or if he does regret getting married so young, the result is something he would not uh, give away. Yeah, I wouldn't think he would ever regret it. It, it just mm-hmm. is a, a huge, uh, as he says, an inflection point. It's where things really mm-hmm. changed inevitably in a certain direction, and it could never, ever right. go back to being the way it was before that. Right, yeah. right. That's good. Uh, just to give you guys a little uh, preview... I have been in touch with the guy who does Shatner Webb. Um, yes. And it turns out we know him, which is just so strange. <laughs> which is not a huge surprise. Well, yeah, but yes. you move in these circles yes. and whatever. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to be interviewing him uh, pretty soon to talk about his website and the things that he does and why he's doing it. And uh, it should be mm-hmm. just a ton of fun, as it was when we talked to Max Barber. We just yes. love talking to other people who have this deep Shatner knowledge and really want to look at his body of work, you know, not... Well, and I think they enjoy talking to us, too, for the same reasons. I mean, part of why you do a a show like we do or they do their websites or or anything is to reach out. Mm -hmm. You know, you first of all, you want all this knowledge to not be lost, Mm -hmm. and we want our bullshit opinions to not be lost, (laughs) but um, you also, you know, are hoping somebody will respond. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. And and I, I am so appreciative of other people who really look at Bill's work because you could talk, and people do in the popular press all the time, just about mm-hmm. Bill himself and his persona and mm-hmm. the character that he is now without really looking at the work that he's done. And I, as you do, just love looking at his acting and, and the, the mm-hmm. things he's done and how it's changed over the years and the commonalities and 
you know, even when you're watching something like Disaster on a Coastliner and finding all those little moments that Bill puts in there that make it special, I, I mm-hmm. got to tell you, I was so proud of myself for making that little animated gif of him that's, coming it's alive. It's so in fantastic. The Isn't that the best? Like, that is, yes. That's Bill right there. That is no one else who would do that his whole And face. you said something about it being useful in so many <laughs> different ways, and I have to agree. <laughs> oh, man, it's just so good. So I, I love it, and I, I can't wait to talk to him. I think it's going to be really, really fun. Okay. Good. <sighs> what else? What else do you want to talk about? Well, I'm being a little confused by the Strange Horizons site. Yes. Which has the uh, freshly remembered Kirk drift. Yes. But then there's this list of table of contents. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what of these am I supposed to... Um, well, it's a long essay, you see, and it's broken out mm-hmm. into uh, sections. So, mm-hmm. so each of these numbered areas are a guide to the different sections of the essay. So, Okay, well, I see that I have at least at one point been to number four. Mm-hmm. Is that where we're supposed to go well, we- <laughs> for this discussion? Uh, I have read the whole thing. And you, oh, okay. you can certainly read the whole thing, or you can just read sections of it. So this is an article that was published in April of this year, and it got quite mm-hmm. a lot of being passed around on the internet at the time. And it's called Freshly Remembered, colon, Kirkdrift. And it's by a woman named Erin uh, Horakova, who is an American but is studying in England right now. And she's a big Star Trek fan. She's a science fiction fan. She writes a lot. She's a good writer. And this is published online at strangehorizons.com, which publishes fiction okay. but nonfiction also. So she's written this very, very long essay. I don't mean that in a pejorative way, like, oh my God, it's long. Mm-hmm. It's just, wow, this is long. It's really detailed. And her point is, which is a point that we have made before, of course, that the perception of Kirk is very different from the actual character of Kirk. And she goes mm-hmm. into quite a lot of detail about why it is that it's become this perception rather than the reality. And she brings in things like uh, Zap Brannigan, you know, as the public <laughs> perception of of Captain Kirk when he's not Captain yes. Kirk. He's Zap Brannigan. Right. And he was meant by the creators as as actually a takeoff on people's perception of Kirk and also a little bit on William Shatner as well. Right. It, right. It's not meant to be Captain Kirk. He's, he's meant to be a burlesque, I would say of, of, mm-hmm. of Kirk rather than an actual representation, but that people don't really get that. And, and uh, the rest of this, you know, she just talks about what Kirk really was, you know, his womanizing and all of these other things. And because she's an academic, she brings up, all of the factual stuff. How many women did Kirk actually sleep with? Well, you know, um, not very many actually, and talks about a lot of the things that, that we have pointed out as well and how Kirk uses other people, um, you know, about the comparisons mm-hmm. with James Bond. It's really good. And so I would encourage people to read it. It's a long read, so settle in or read it in parts mm-hmm. as she's broken it out into section. Um, but I, I think it's good. And I would like to, to speak to her about this a bit. I have listened to an interview with her on another podcast and I didn't really feel like they got to kind of the meat of the matter. So I'd like Mm -hmm. to talk with her a little bit more about it. It's a very informed opinion, which is great when you're talking about Star Trek. Okay. um, Okay. Here's my question. Mm -hmm. At the meat of the matter, is it that people are misremembering Star Trek and Kirk or is it part of a, a, a larger idea that when it comes to pop culture or anything we we consume, any media, books, whatever, we misremember? I, I think her point, and um, I, I could be misinterpreting, but I think she is saying that people misremember it uh, mm-hmm. because Star Trek has become a cultural phenomenon. So people don't remember the original anymore. All they remember is the cultural phenomenon, which is now viewed oh. through the lens of mm-hmm. um, pop culture perception, things like Zap Brannigan, um, people, um, the extreme fanboy obsession with certain aspects of Kirk's character, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's all been filtered. When you go back to the original source material, you find something very different than what people want Kirk to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, she looks at who wants Kirk to be like that. Right. And it's, it's 
fanboys <clears throat> who really want him to be this sort of womanizing, um, my way or the highway, I'm the rule breaker. Um, they want him to be the character that he became in the Abrams movies. Well, okay, I'll argue with you there. Okay. The older fanboys, I would say, uh, yeah, want him to be what we saw in Shatner Kirk. But I think the most telling statement about how Kirk is portrayed, and it came from J.J. Abrams himself, was, I couldn't relate to that guy. Mm -hmm. And that's why in the new movies, Kirk is a jerk and a buffoon, and he just sort of falls into place mm -hmm. as the captain of the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, Spock is the hero. If Kirk does something heroic, it's sort of an accident, because Abrams feels... That's what young men today can relate to. Mm -hmm. They're never going to be this hero. The whole idea is not... And they, I'm not saying this was Roddenberry's idea to make this hero that people could aspire to be like. But there is nothing in New Kirk that would inspire you to be a better person or to take a chance or to follow your dreams or any of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I agree with that, and, and I think she, she makes that point here. I mean, I, I, what I like about her essay is that mm -hmm. it's, it's, she doesn't say there's one reason. Right. It, there's a right. bunch of reasons, and they come from different mm -hmm. places. So part of it is just the fallibility of memory, but then there's what you just said also, that now we need to make Kirk relatable. And there's still a conflation of the Kirk that's in the movies with the Kirk that was in the TV series as if he's the same guy too, mm -hmm. which he isn't. Yes. He very clearly isn't. Um, right. So I want to read a little bit of what she says, um, which I think okay. is good. Um, so she says, uh, why can't we see what's in front of us when she's talking about, you know, there's the, mm -hmm. you can watch Star Trek right now. <laughs> and, and yeah. You know, um, why can't we read? Why do we remember green women molested when there weren't any? And, and the wrong words that refers to something else. Why has Kirk Drift occurred affecting this character and this text? I contend that this is not just random mismemory, but a sort of motivated, non-accidental, culture-wide process of forgetting. It's the result of a hierarchical tendency in reception and in memory that affects not only the reboots, but even our ability to see what happens in a text. Even when it's right before our eyes, we can't see Star Trek for our idea of it. Um, and I had to look up hierarchy because I couldn't remember what it meant, but it means... Um, what does it mean? It, I've never heard that. It's a system of uh, government usually or a, a cultural system that's based on dominance mm -hmm. and oppression. So it's this idea that somebody has to be oh. dominant and somebody has to be oppressed. Well, you know what else? It, and, and maybe she gets into this. It's also what we bring to it yeah. because you and I have both seen and in my case been in arguments with slashers and we're looking at the exact same mm -hmm. scene and having polar opposite reactions or interpretations yes. of what's going on there what does that mean mm -hmm. you know so we're we're bringing to you can you can all you know look at it and say okay he says these five words we all agree on that but then it's into what do the five words mean and what is meant by Spock's reaction to that five words and mm -hmm. you know the whole thing mm -hmm. so Slash is a form of Kirk Drift. Yeah, it, it totally is, especially in certain, and I, I think this is what you and I mostly got from talking to those people who were so obsessed with Spock, is that to them, the idea of Kirk is this weak, weepy sort of emotional guy who can't do anything unless he has Spock in his life. Mm -hmm. As if that was really Kirk. Yeah. Which it wasn't at all. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, but, but for them, that is who Kirk has become because of their own view and their own take and their own filter. Um, and that's who he became for them. And that is, you know, that's, that's not in the public consciousness because uh, Slash isn't what everybody consumes. Everybody consumes everything mm -hmm. else. But if it did, that could be the Kirk drift in a totally different direction. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I think it's a really good essay, and uh, it's it's just really, really interesting to have somebody break it down like that and look at all these different influences that make people misremember Star Trek, that make, mm -hmm. make Kirk Drift happen. And to me, 
what it calls for, and she doesn't say this, is just for people to go back and watch Star Trek. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if you think you know what Star Trek is and you haven't actually watched the original series or you haven't watched it in a long time, go, yeah. go back and watch it because it's really good. Yes. And yes. you will be amazed at who Kirk really is. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you know what else? Um, going back to the point about whether or not Kirk is relatable, to me, one of the points of Kirk is he's a hero in the classic definition of what is a hero. And it's not that he's completely unrelatable, it's that there are so few actual people like Mm -hmm. that. But there are a few, and the one that comes to mind for me is Shackleton. Mm -hmm. And the thing that first got me interested in him and got me to read that fantastic book called Endurance was Killa said, Shackleton is Kirk. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And you read it and you go, that's exactly what Kirk would do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He would take that chance. And just the other night, the episode was on uh, with um, where they, they swap bodies with the, the three people oh, yes. who have been there for forever. And at one point, he says something like, well, gentlemen, sometimes you have to take a chance yep. when one is all you've got. Yep. And I thought that Shackleton could have said that at the top of that mountain when they decided they were going to slide down on it. Because that was the only way of getting down before night fell. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's just amazing, and this shutting out the idea that there can be people like this. Mm-hmm. Could you be a person like this? Yeah. You know, totally rejecting that. That's such a. I don't know. It's it's I don't know. It's part of the um, the stupidening uh, <laughs> of society. You know yeah. that we. That right now, well, this is the best we can possibly be. No, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. The heroes aren't meant to be relatable in that way. They're meant mm-hmm. to be aspirational and inspirational. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, like, could I be that good? I could try. I could try to be that I, good. Yeah, yeah. And I should try to be that good. I should try to be a yeah. And the you know our our astronauts, especially the ones in the early days, because when we were sending up rocket after rocket, our rockets kept blowing mm-hmm. up. You know, before we had people on them, and it was like, yeah, get on that thing and and off you go. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. There have to be heroes. There have to be people that we can yes. we can look up to and aspire to be and, and be mm-hmm. better versions of ourselves. That's what we should do. Yes. And yes. and you know what? That's a big message in Doctor Who. <laughs> it's it, it really is. I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, other heroes, I think that's actually very true about the doctor. He's not really relatable, right? I mean he's right, not at I mean, all. he's weird and grumpy sometimes and but he is the kind of person that you would like to be if you could be that mm-hmm. because he's better and he's kind and he has a screwdriver instead of a gun and he goes around exactly. the universe saving people and yeah mm-hmm. like you you're probably not going to do that but you should try to be a better version of you be more like the doctor be more like Kirk and he inspires his companions yes. to to be better to, people to, to be better people yeah and other people he interacts yep. with absolutely yeah yeah so there we are we're right we're always right about these things <laughs> Just in case you wondered. And in case you're wondering, we have not been inspired to be humble. No, no. <laughs> Kirk's not a humble guy. Why should he be? No, He's no. He's goddamn captain. He has nothing to be humble about. <laughs> okay, so first of all, next topic. Yeah? I need to know what sporkings are. Oh. <laughs> so sporking means... Um, Gosh, what is it even from? I don't know. Um, it's it's when you have a piece of writing and you're breaking it down uh, sort of not line by line exactly, but maybe mm-hmm. section by section, inserting your own commentary and criticism in it. So it's not it's not making fun of it necessarily, although that might be it, but but mm-hmm. really doing a very, very close line by line reading and, and pointing out things that work and things that don't work. I don't know why it's called sporking. Okay. I could probably look it up. I have the internet here. You do. Okay. Well, uh, what you sent me was a sporking of Axanar. Yes. And because there are now so many variations on Trek, mm-hmm. it took me a minute to go, oh, Axanar. <laughs> um, what, what is that 
the upcoming movie? Is that the last movie? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. So, so tell us about Well, this. I will. Let me just tell you, looking up the term sporking in UrbanDictionary.com, oh, okay. which is not always the, the most reliable source, um, it says, a line-by-line critical analysis of fan fiction, typically of the utterly horrible or occasionally so bad it's good variety. And <laughs> here is the derivation. It's from the term sporking one's eyes out, implying that the fic is so bad that most people would prefer to attack their own eyes with sporks rather than read it. <laughs> I did not know that. I like that. Okay. Well, I was not quite so focused on the this is a terrible thing, but more like the critical analysis aspect of it. So um, people will remember there was Axanar and that whole thing happened and there was a lawsuit and then they settled the lawsuit and Axanar basically is never going to be made in the way that they wanted to make it because Mm -hmm. of all the reasons. Um, But the script... That, that they were going to film has been released. Okay. I think. I don't think it was leaked. I think it was actually put into uh, court documents so that people could see it. And so people are reading mm. the script now and saying, oh, well, here's what it was going to be. So this person, let me see if I can find it. I think it's a woman and I can't remember what her name is. Uh, I'm really sorry about that, but I'll find it. Um, has done a kind of a scene by scene breakdown of it. Uh, this was the version that they were going to film. So it's not an early version of the script or anything. Yeah, it was published on Facebook mm-hmm. by a former member of the Axonar team. But she's gone in and, and just kind of broken down what works and what doesn't work. And uh, in her opinion, why it probably wouldn't have been a very good film. And mm. it, that part is interesting also. So it, she just goes in and, and takes excerpts from the script and say... Uh, you know, here's what I think about this. So part of it is mocking it. Um, but he- here's a good example. So um, let's see. This is part of this, the script where there's going to be a battle in space. Ooh, a space okay. battle. Very, very good. Oh, yeah, yeah. we like that. So um, t- Garth and another character are standing around the table with five other captains, um, including some named characters that we've met before. This is the stage direction. They're studying a battle plan on the display, pointing to various details. And she says, I love the pointing to various details part. It's so nonspecific. You know what happens when you're nonspecific in your descriptions? Reader draw on other media to fill in the gaps. You know you saw that coming. (laughs) So so the script is kind of filled with stuff like that where there's no detail or the Mm -hmm. characters are just, oh, there's a lot of exposition police in this where people are just telling you what's happening so you're not actually seeing it. You know, it's like... Ah, could we just get to it? And it sounds like um, a lot of nothing happens and then there's some space battles and then there's some character development and then there's a bunch of space battles and it's just not very good. So I would encourage you, if you're interested in Axanar um, and what it might have been, to read through some of this. I mean, she's really doing kind of a line-by-line breakdown, so it's quite long, but it's being put out as a series of blog posts, so it's not like one big read. I think she's doing one a week or something like that. But I'm surprised at how bad the script is, you know, for, mm. for as much development as they put into it. And the fact that, you know, Robert Burnett was involved, who's like a professional guy who's made real movies mm-hmm. and all the hype that they had surrounding it. It's just not very good. I mean, mm. I know that a lot can be done in the transition from a script to a filmed thing. But mm-hmm. even when just reading the script, you're kind of like, what what is happening like who are these people where mm-hmm. is this going it seems like they in the original conception it was supposed to be about garth of izar but mm-hmm. for reasons that didn't work out very well he wasn't a very interesting character or they couldn't make him interesting so now the whole script has shifted to be focused on a klingon dude so now it's about a, mm. a, a klingon guy instead of garth like why is this a movie about Klingons? I thought this was going to be a movie about Axanar and Garth and stuff. Okay, whatever. Mm. You've just decided to do that. And it is clearly a lot ripped off from uh, Wrath of Khan also. The the whole structure of it and the beats are very much Wrath of Khan-ish. But not as good. Mm-hmm. It's like a crappy version of Wrath of Khan. Well, remember, maybe it was the last show or the show before that, we were talking about, um, oh, Nicholas Meyer said part of why the movies got worse and worse and worse was because Wrath of Khan was such a success Mm -hmm. that in every new movie as they were proposing it, the studio people were saying, who's the Khan? 
Yeah, yeah. We need a big, fabulous villain. Exactly. So they just kept, you know, eventually they did totally remake it for, you know, uh, well, TNG did their version of it, and then Mm -hmm. the new uh, Crapola did their version of it. So So that's what it seems like they did. They just kind of took that basic concept, and they threw in some new characters Mm -hmm. and, and ran with it. So there you go. I've been keeping up with it, and it's pretty amusing stuff. Um, but again, mm-hmm. just kind of astonished at how not good it is. <laughs> wow. Yep. Wow. So Paramount went to all this trouble to keep something that's not that good from being made. Exactly. Exactly. Because if somebody's going to make not good Star Trek. Oh, it's going to be It's Paramount. going to be them. It's going to be them. <laughs> They're going to take full responsibility for their bullshit. <laughs> that's right. Oh dear, yeah. sporking. Sporking. So, could we write like a really bad fanfic and call it the sporkening? Oh my God, can we? I'd really like like to do the quickening. Yeah. You know, it's like the sporkening. I like that. The. Do you know what? Sporkening. I was writing something at work in my job as a technical writer, uh-huh. and I could not remember the word to um to uh to zoom in and I almost wrote embiggen (laughs) I mean I was this close I love that word it's so I, me too. Word. It's perfectly cromulent. It but, is a cromulent you know. word. I know. I <laughs> I have used embiggen. I mean, I've used it like click here to embiggen on blog posts and things because it's so good. Well, it's such a good yeah, word. Yeah, but in a legitimate tech document, well, you know, given what I write about, I don't think it's going to fly. But you know what? <laughs> Everybody would have known exactly what you meant. It's true. It's it's that good of a word that you don't have mm-hmm. to explain it. It's just yeah, of course you're yes. beginning it. You're just you're <laughs> making it bigger. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes, I mean, I was you know just blanking on enlarge and zoom in mm-hmm. and everything. And it was like and big and yeah. Oh wait, what? <laughs> oh my goodness, so, that is really good. Well, that's all I have on my list. So I think we're done. I think we've done everything. I think we have. We um, have totally battled with technology, mm-hmm. and it looks like we may have once again won. Won in the end, yeah, which is yes. really good. So um, that'll do it for now. Uh, as I said, we're going to be doing an interview with uh, Mr. Shatner Webb, which is going to be super fun. <laughs> Mr. Shatner Webb, yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to call him that. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be good. And in the meantime, yeah. we're posting lots of stuff to Facebook, etc. So if any of you guys have seen Vanishing, the Vanishing, just Vanishing, Vanished, yes. I don't know, whatever it was called, let us know because uh, we would like to see it and i got to find a way to get a hold of it. Oh, also, yeah. um, Bill was on that Canadian... Uh, Private Eyes TV series? Yes, yes, yes. With Jason Priestley, who's looking pretty rough these days, i got to say. Mm. Um, so I have a copy of it, and I'm going to provide it to you so that we can both watch Yay. it. I, I looked at it really quickly. I don't think Bill is in it that much, sadly. Like, he's, mm. he's a guest star, and he's just doing a, a small part of it. But um, Well, I think that's what he's happy doing now. He doesn't really want to work that hard yeah. at it. I mean, obviously, he does a great job. But, you know, he doesn't want to commit to, hey, you want to be there every day for four weeks? Yeah. Uh, no. no. <laughs> so we can watch it. Though. So that'll be on the, the list for next time is Private Eyes. And okay. if you guys have seen Private Eyes, let us know what you thought about it. Too. Yes. Because yeah, I'd like to know. Oh, and. Yes, our beloved Canadians. Um, I, I will. I'm sorry. I'm just remembering all this stuff at the last second. But uh, another uh, person who does a podcast that I listen to, um, Helen Zaltzman, does this thing called The Illusionist. And she does a couple other podcasts as well. She was in um, Spain, I believe, or maybe Portugal, Ooh. and with her husband. Mm-hmm. And they were at a restaurant, and uh, she went in and came out and said to her husband, um, hey, there's a boxer in there. Do you recognize that American boxer guy? I don't remember his name. And her husband's like, oh, let me go. And so he goes in, and he comes out, and he goes, and sitting next to him is William Shatner. And sitting <gasps> next to him is Henry Winkler. <laughs> oh, so they are doing Europe. They are doing Europe. So they were there for some parade where they people put big paper mache hats on their head. Okay. Uh, some cultural thing. And they were doing it. They were like in there putting things. And, and they said that there were no kidding, like 40 people on the crew surrounding them. So it's a big deal when they're filming this thing. It's not just Jeff Dyer and a couple of cameramen. They've got the whole thing. Okay, so please 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 don't let bill do running of the bulls 
it's just the sort of thing he would do. Yeah, it, it would be. I hope they do like I, I know that they do mockeries of that where they do like chickens and stuff where it's completely. <laughs> they did the running of the bunnies. Yeah, um, non <laughs> non animal cruelty and and all that. So I I don't think Bill would do that. I I don't think I I, they wouldn't go to a bullfight or anything because that would be gross and horrible. Well, that's true, but you know. We're talking about the guy who did stand on top of 40-mile-an-hour train. Yeah, but that wasn't hurting animals. I think Bill had more yeah, of a Well, that's true. Connection. That's true. I didn't think of that. Well, you see, is running of the bulls cruel to animals? I mean, they gore people during it. It's kind of like a chance for the animals to to get their own back, I, isn't it? Well, I think that those are the bulls that they use for bullfighting, so they all die oh. in the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, then I'm opposed to that. Yeah. I mean fighting yeah i just thought they you know let them all out and said you know have at it here's the people who are stupid enough to yeah, do this. Yeah. go after well them. i yeah i agree with that much <laughs> for sure okay. okay so now i've learned a little about that too in addition to sporkening and um cryo hierarchical yeah, or whatever yeah. it was <laughs> oh, all right educational and as that's well. when your hierarchy is frozen that's right so, th- yes. so, as always, our podcast is educational as well as entertaining. You've all learned some things now. Yes. So, uh, everybody go watch Star Trek and be, be be like Kirk. If you can't, you know, just be a better person because of Captain Kirk. Be like Kirk. Yeah. 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 And um, we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.